evening, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Half Ashed. This is our 46th uh, attempt at a spectacular podcast episode, and I am very pleased to announce that uh, all that I have been around for have been with my esteemed co-host, Mr. Kip Fisher, one of my favorite people in the world and the better half of this podcast hosting event. I uh, can very plainly see. How the heck are you tonight, my friend? I'm doing just lovely. I'm outdoors, late at night, in short sleeves, making fun of you because it's freaking cold up there. (laughs) Well, the you that he is referring to is I, Craig Schneider, the other uh, tandem of the the Half-Ash podcast. I uh, am back from my short little break, my... uh, Missing episode number 45 and being very well, well, well filled in by by Dale Rausch. Um, I am uh, back with a story with some good news and with uh, uh, oh, just an insatiable appetite for some more cigar talk. I am uh, looking forward to a good show, man. Me too. I, I very much so. And I, now that I know you got a story, I'm even more excited. Well, I think you might know the story, uh, as do any of our listeners who uh, caught last week's episode. You were so very kind to reveal the news to everyone. Thank you, my man, for doing that. But uh, for those of you who may not have heard, last week my wife had our second child. So, Liam Reed. I don't have sound effects. I'll clap. (laughs) You're not Logan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, Liam Reed was born uh, a week ago yesterday. And that's Liam Reed Schneider. That's correct, Liam Reed Schneider. That's right. Thank you for the clarification last week and the clarification this week. Um, Liam Reed Schneider was born. Mom and son are both doing very well and uh, continue to be doing better by the day, it seems, as Liam slept for six hours last night. Holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty darn good for a newborn. So Yeah, that's that's handy. The uh, the Schneider clan of uh, myself, my wife, and Luke and Liam are are doing very well and very happy these days. So that is good to hear. Yeah, I think so too. Well, on uh, a little more direct and pertinent information for uh, the show tonight, we have. Another cigar of the week that we're focusing on. This one being our eleven, no, our eleventh, our twelfth. Uh, we got them kind of confused and out of order. I think, I think we're back in correct order, and this is number eleven, and it is numbered eleven. The eleventh unbanded that we've had for this show. So, this one um, graciously again comes from Jacob Pincus, who has contributed two or three others, uh, for which we're very appreciative. And thus far, I think both of us have lit this bad boy up. There you go, chat room. And uh, I'm about a quarter inch into it and really, really experiencing some different flavors than I've ever had before from a cigar. I'll agree with that. And it, 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 I, I can't put a finger on it. It's that um, those light tropical spices or baking spices just on steroids for me. It's so so bright and airy through the nose. Um, and with the sweetness, I mean, it's not 
absolutely not a mint flavor in quality, but it, it puts that into my head for some reason. It reminds me of something that ought, that belongs in the mint family anyway. Hmm. Well, my goal for tonight will will be to to pinpoint this this key flavor that I'm getting here. I immediately I thought that it was very very woodsy, like a. You ever cut into sycamore? How there's a little bit of like a sycamore wood, sycamore tree. How there's a little bit like a, a sickly sweet aroma to that. It's just, it's just the, weird. The gum that will come out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that, but it's along those same lines where you can distinctly tell that you you've got a woody aroma or kind of a smoky charry aroma if you're using a chainsaw and burning it a little bit. Now but there's like funny. that gumminess. That was hilarious. You what? describe some very specific, detailed, intricate flavor, and then immediately say, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not that flavor, but in how that flavor comes across, it's no doubt a charry, woody flavor with like this funky, sweet aroma to it, or flavor to it. It reminds me of that because there's a sweet, woody character that I get. And the only thing that's so far coming to mind is sycamore, but it doesn't, it's not the same smell as that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, Maybe except you're going to make fun nut. of me about it. No, I'm not making fun of you about it. I, I was right there with you, and then you go, it's not that. <laughs> okay. What is it? <laughs> well, I, I could see what you're. What you're saying about um, it being almost a baking spice on steroids, but I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that's a little too much. Like, you know, the the equivalent of actually freshly grated cinnamon, and compared to like cinnamon candy, you know, it might yeah. have that same core, but it doesn't come across as being that kind of typical Dominican baking spice that I've talked about in the past, and you've talked about in the past. Exactly. Um, I don't know. We'll see how this uh, how this progresses, but I'm hoping. I'm really hoping I can pinpoint it. I'm with you. Mm. See, I didn't mm. say coo. Coo. What do you think about butterscotch? Could this be butterscotch? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> then clearly that's not what I think. I just wanted to make sure that you didn't think that. Hey. Maybe your butterscotch is my something else. I mean, I, the reason I said no was I, I really like this cigar so far, and I cannot stand butterscotch. I'm not a fan at all. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of butterscotch either. But there's something here. I'm reaching for it. I'll get it. I yeah, hope. You'll come around to you. <laughs> oh, anything else uh, new and exciting for you? I know you mentioned you got a sick girl at home. I do. I got a sick little girl, a little boy who dabbled with it, but seems to have just taken a glancing blow. He's pretty much all better. I feel a little bit off right now, like I'm headed in the same direction, so I'm taking advantage of tonight to smoke as many cigars as I can before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> well, maybe you're feeling off because you've had a dozen cigars today. No, no, I've had two. Two? On deck. Yeah. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I would have I would have expected more from you on a day when you had some time. Mm, I got busy. 
Clearly so. <laughs> the chat room asked if it's um, marzipan. <laughs> no, it's uh, sandalwood. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, man. I guess we've beaten this horse sufficiently. Ay, ay, ay. Those guys in the chat room are crazy. <laughs> ah, another reason to come hang out with us uh, live on Friday night. It's, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, and we're cheap dates because it costs you nothing. Uh, hence, we're cheap dates. Um, well, as we said, unbanded number 11 from uh, Jake Pinkus, and uh, we're getting into it, interested in talking about it, and um, really kind of racking our brains to, to give you guys as good of a description as we can about it. So stay tuned. We'll uh, continue that conversation, no doubt. Boom. So some uh, interesting progressions here once we get into industry news, the first of which comes from a friend of the show and uh, acquaintance of both of ours, Mr. Terry Johnson. Yeah. Um, I actually had a phone conversation with Terry within the past couple of weeks, and strangely enough, I was, I was putting this in the notes. I actually was having one of his cigars that's here in my pile from this week. At the Legend Legend Reserve 63, and I think I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. I got it in the this week's cigars. Saw that. But he is uh, mixing it up a little bit, and I guess making an effort to somewhat standardize the the packaging and the bands uh, across his lines. And he has a, and this is not it. This is the old one from the, the Legend Reserve 63. The newer ones are similar in content and construction, but it's, the colors are changing. It's going to be essentially black with the red kind of starburst center in them. So he's going to have very similar packaging on all of his lines. So you're going to have to read the bands now to, to know the difference. But you know, I think it brings a little bit of standardization to his company. So I think that's a good thing, probably. It's a classy band. Um, I saw the some of the Oh, I don't know the the pictures. There are some photos up on Facebook. If it's what I'm thinking it is, I guess I should follow your link. Uh, black band, red sunburst around T.L. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that uh, I saw some of those up on Facebook. I think that's gorgeous. Really, it's a it's a nice looking band. That that black and gold with just some hints of color is a is a really good combination. And you know that's obviously just a very subjective thought, but. In objectivity, it, it gives a little bit better brand recognition if you can standardize that a bit more, and um, I think it uh, might not be a bad idea. Yeah, and he also mentioned a couple of things he's got in the works that he's not really ready to talk about yet, but sounded good to me, so I'm looking forward to that, and maybe sometime early next year we'll bring him back on the show and see what he's got up his sleeve between well, well, him and Lewis. Him and Lewis, they're, they're really deeply partnered up together these days, Lewis Sanchez. I think I might send Terry a Christmas gift and uh, make it a bit of a headset to send out to him because I remember the last time he was on a room mic with a wicked, wicked echo. So let's. Uh, <laughs> I was working the mute buttons that night. I think you were. Let's let's try to uh, involve you in the show in more than just a producer role and uh, get Terry a headset. <laughs> Well, that'll be nice. I uh, look forward to talking to him and certainly look forward to hearing a little bit more about uh, what he's got cooking. Yeah. 
And I guess the, the uh, next item that we got in the news here, I actually saw this in a couple of different places, but uh, the New York Council has passed amongst themselves legislation and are sending it to the mayor that will ban a few things, but the one that really jumped out at me was e-cigarettes. It's going to extend all existing bans to cover e-cigarettes. And uh, so I put in the notes that now in New York City, you won't have to put up with the foul stench of water vapor when you're uh, commuting <laughs> to work or at a bar or restaurant. So, and I thought it was interesting that the, the city council speaker, uh, her name is Christine Quinn, uh, she said before the vote that allowing the devices, the e-cigarettes, into places where cigarettes are now banned also could renormalize smoking and undermine the public perception that the habit is now acceptable only in the privacy of one's own home. We don't really? want to step backward with that. That's interesting. It is The perception is that it is only acceptable in the privacy of one's home. Uh, that is quite possibly the most ludicrous thing I've heard a politician say in a little while. Yeah, and, and I didn't know this until I started kind of reading up a little bit this week after I saw that story. But uh, apparently New Jersey, Arkansas, Utah, and North Dakota already have bans of e-cigarettes in place. This is not a new thing. As Normally, New York City is kind of the cutting edge of this kind of thing. I was in a, some continuing education training last year. It was being taught by a guy who was just puffing away on strawberry shortcake e-cigarette uh, vapor the whole time and just playing with it and twirling the e-cigarette in his fingers like a poker chip. and uh, I, I, It wasn't the slightest bit bothersome to anyone in the class. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not really a surprise. It just... Uh, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that as I get older, just really get under my skin on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be long till I'm that guy. Sitting on your front up. porch. Yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> get on the front porch with a walking stick in a rocking yep. chair. Get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> but it, I'd come down to Florida just to see that, actually. It just... I think it's really another wrong step down that slippery slope we've talked about before of banning one thing and then now they're banning something else because of what it looks like. And and what it looks like is not anything illegal. It looks like something that's still legal. So something is banned just for looking like another legal product that they want to control the social perception of that product. I uh, am. Uh. I'm frustrated by that, but that's New York City, and uh, that's a rather odd perception, <laughs> opinion, excuse me, from uh, Councilwoman Quinn. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not an uncommon opinion, I suppose, these days. Yeah. Well, moving on just a little bit, the uh, the most interesting item in the news presently to me is our third item that we have, and uh, it's most interesting because of what you've placed here as your own opinion about this. And uh, this news item just happens to be the uh, announcement that Cigar Aficionado's annual top cigars of the year list is out, and 
your footnote here, your little uh, subjective commentary, kind of gets me going a little bit. You say with no less controversy than years past. Exactly. What, what in the Sam Sam Hill do you mean by that, young man? <laughs> well, I mean, every year there is some piece of controversy with this list, whether it's just a large number of people that disagree with the number one or or whatever, or, you know, typically the contents of the list. And I think that's largely because people are so different, you know, and I, and this is one of the very reasons I don't do a top 10 or top 25 list on the cigar me because there's so many different palettes, so many different preferences, you know, even though I may perceive it exactly the same as the next guy, we both may not be looking for that particular flavor. So I would trash it and the other guy loves it. And it mm-hmm. You know, I got a number of other reasons. I actually wrote an article up today that I got to finish up tomorrow, you know, just kind of describing why I had not in the past and putting out a uh, a list that's not necessarily a a top ten list, but it may be a ten favorites list for me, um, maybe a dozen or so. But but anyway, the the big controversy this year is that the um, I, I, I what controversial is. I'm measuring controversy controversy by the number of outcries across social media on Facebook and Twitter from some of the community that it was a uh, Cuban cigar that was selected. It was the Monte Cristo number two, and I guess there are a fair number of people that would not agree with that. And I don't I don't understand why. I haven't seen a single solid reason other than. American smokers saying, that's ridiculous. That's not even a cigar that we can buy here. And they're an American magazine. Well, I think that's kind of uppity. I mean, who gives a flying F what uh, one country thinks (laughs) should or shouldn't be available? I mean, why can't that be a worldly view of what was the best cigar on the market that year? And if you just so happen to live in an area where you don't have access to that, I'm sorry, but I mean I can't go to my local B&M and buy one, but I don't have a problem with it because, well, obviously I clearly wasn't in a position where I could go out and judge for my own uh, self that that one was the best cigar of the year. You know, I mean, I I don't get that perspective, and I didn't see any in my searching um, any outcries on social media that were really warranted that. Uh, that cigar doesn't deserve to be number one. Uh, that's ridiculous. I saw people with kind of sour grapes saying that there were problems with certain cigars on the list. Um, and I kind of tossed that out like, you know, a, a high and low score in a you know a, a pool of judges. You know, you don't even worry about that. That's just kind of the crazies talking. Yeah, um, per- personally, I could care less what's on the top 25 list. I, I will say I have never bought a cigar based on that list. And that's mostly oh, I, have. I don't put. I've I have not. I've smoked a lot of cigars that are on the list, but not because of the list. Had um, you had a Casa Magna before that was the cigar of the year? Yes, I had, and oh, I, I hadn't. I thought they were miserably bad. I I, I hated that cigar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, tried, I tried four of those jokers and it never made it past an inch in any of them, and I gave the others I had away. Wow. My friends reported back that the same results. They didn't like them either. Well, I didn't love the cigars, but I certainly bought them because they were the best cigar of the year. I wanted to see what the heck the hype was. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Well, there have been other Casa Magna cigars I've enjoyed, but those were no, not at all. Well, um, I do remember a lot of quizzical looks that people were like, what is Casa Magna? And nobody yeah. ever heard of it. And, you know, and then there's a lot of controversy on their methods and, you know, that they've publicly went on record that they smoke less than an inch of a cigar typically and people throw arms up and cry foul with that and and the the Cuban cigars, whether it's because it's the American market that can't buy those cigars or Cuban Americans that just simply don't want the money going to Cuba to support the, the current regime down there. I mean there's all kinds of reasons that people don't like it, but you know the the thing is, it's just what I said. That's what those four or five, however many are on their panel, thought were the best 25 cigars this year. Did they smoke all the cigars that are out there? No, but they probably smoked a lot of them. Um, And it really just boils down to, you know, you can give a a cigar so much credit for construction or how well the blend, you know, is married and, and works, just works. And, but... A lot of it is still going to come down to so much subjectivity and flavor preferences that I just I don't put much stock in any top however many lists. Well, I, I, I've got a little bit wrong with what you said. I don't think it's just subjectivity um, <clears throat> because it's not just smoking at one time. They don't just go by for cigar. And I'm not a cigar aficionado subscriber. Um, I don't have any idea when the last time I bought the magazine was. Um, I've met some of the gents who are involved in those things. Um, I know some people in the the cigar uh, publication industry. I, I mean, I've talked about this list and many other lists um, about the, the same topic, around the same topic in the past. Um my understanding of their determination of the top 25 cigars of the year is that they'll go through and they'll smoke them again. And they uh-huh. won't just judge this off of one blind tasting for <clears throat> one month publication. They take uh, the X number of highest ratings or some, some, some measurement system for taking a subset of the ones spoke throughout the year. Exactly. And then I believe they, they do go through them blindly the second time as well. So my... Um, I can't speak to that, but I know that they are reassessed um, based on some cutoff, as you mentioned. Um, my point being there is that it isn't just construction that makes or breaks a cigar or appearance that makes or breaks a cigar in this. It comes down to some subjectivity in how a flavor is perceived. As you say, um, you and Joe Blow Smoker might get identical flavors out of a cigar, but you might not like those flavors, and Joe Blow Smoker might like those flavors. So there's where the subjectivity comes in. But what I don't think a lot of people recognize is that these are not new smokers. They are not amateur smokers. They're people who can smoke a cigar and say, that's a cigar that was put out too soon. That's a cigar that was not... Um, processed properly. That was a cigar that is not consistent. That is a cigar with spectacular quality tobacco. So there are these things that that are also assessed which are not just subjective. There is some objectivity there. 
Um, and I think that that objectivity is also judged as plainly as the subjectivity of, I like this flavor, I don't like this flavor. So, uh, it, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with this list because it sparks conversation and it gets people, if you look deep enough into it, to see the the integrity that is there. Um, now, for the sake of our own integrity and in having this conversation, what also what also should be discussed is the fact that cigar aficionado ratings can be bought, um, and I don't I don't know that uh, from any. Oh, how should I say this? I don't have hard evidence of that. I've been told that from people in the industry. So, whether they lied to me or not, you can be the own judge there. But um, I think that is largely assumption because I'm not sure how that could be done. Legit. I mean, of course, it's not legitimate, but if the samples are truly smoked blindly, how are you going to match that up with a uh, match up a rating that while you're still blind to what it is with advertisers? Well, you have to know at some point what cigar went with that blind rating, and so perhaps the review was done. Well, there's sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's clear, you know, like the number six or number seven this year, I think, was the Don Carlos number two. It's pretty obvious what cigar that is from about three seconds after you light it. And yeah. if you've had, had that cigar before, you know what it is. If you had a short story, you're going to know what that is. <clears throat> but I think, you know, largely it would be tough without compromising the system to know what a cigar is if you're really smoking it blindly, as we I, are I, doing tonight. I, I totally Although agree. I have a hunch on this one. <laughs> and I think you're right on this one. Um, anyway, we digress. I, I, don't, I don't have a beef with the tw- with this top 25 list or any of the bazillion other top lists out there. I just don't use them myself to pattern my uh, buying and drying habits after. It, you know, and you, you, you bring up a point that I should clarify, so I do owe you a bit of thanks for that. I don't mean to put this on you. And perhaps my reaction to your comment of with no less controversy than in years past um, is more suited to be directed towards the people who I feel have sour grapes more than anything or don't perhaps respect the, the, I mean, let's just call it free speech. I know it's a little overstated, but the free speech of those people who are making that opinionated decision. Um, Oh, well... I mean, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. This was the sour grapes and all. <clears throat> if I'm a retailer, and last year, Flor de las Antillas got number one. Was it last year or the year before? I think it, no, I think it was two years ago. Okay, wh- whichever. That cigar gets number one. Suddenly, I sell hundreds of boxes of those I might not have ever sold in several years before. And now this year, it comes out the number one cigar, something I can't sell. That That's a... That's a tough bite to take. I can see that. I mean, there are a lot of sides to this this discussion, no doubt about it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, look at Aging Room. There, you know, there were press releases and <laughs> and PDFs put out immediately that called themselves the number one cigar available in America. <laughs> you know, so. All right, so they weren't the number one cigar on the list, but they're the number one cigar available in America. So, 
you know, that's great. Good for them. You know, there's there's ways around these things, and I've been a fan of Swag, Aging Room, uh, whatever their other brands are um, that fall under boutique. Oh, uh, I I I 100% am that. Uh, oh yeah, no, I. You commented about the the Maduro that you had at this year's. Uh, uh, at this year's IPCPR being one of your favorite cigars that you probably your favorite cigar you had at the show I believe correct that that, that was the uh, Reserva Maduro Casa Fernandez put out uh, pardon me but pardon. but the other the one for Aging Room uh, small batch is right up there with it um, I guess the point that I'm saying here is you know I don't need to get to the nitty gritty with everything with it but I just don't see solid, legitimate um, complaints from people. Ninety, I'll say, ninety-five percent of them that are out there, um, and I, even though I have not seen one um, that is legitimate, I'll say ninety-five percent are not legitimate complaints. I, I haven't yeah. seen one. If you've got yeah. one, send it to me. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and. Like I said, I don't have a beef beef with it personally. I just don't use it to pattern my buying habits. And and the fact remains that, I don't know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people, whatever, subscribe to this magazine. But in the in public, sitting in a cigar shop or hanging out on some Internet cigar forum, they all trash the magazine. But I know that a large portion of these guys subscribe to it and read it regularly. Yep. Yeah, I got that. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, I was hoping you would. <laughs> so I suppose yet another horse has been sufficiently beaten into the ground. <laughs> what we got lined up next here? Well, I accidentally clicked off of the tab. Pardon me. Ah, the La Serena Miami Cigar... Um, separation yet non-separation yet perhaps still a partial separation. Yeah. What does that all mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the slightest clue. <clears throat> I saw the press releases saying that they were no longer going to be together, and then I saw some saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, they're, they're not splitting. They're not parting ways. Although I saw a lot of tweets of this press release. That's how it was presented, that they were parting ways. They're not parting ways at all. Um, Ariel Ditkovich, um, which I always thought was cool that La Serena was the mermaid and her name is Ariel. <laughs> nonetheless, she um, she is taking over ownership of La Serena. Um, I, I understand complete ownership. It will be independently owned and operated by her, by Ariel. And, but she's still going to utilize uh, Miami Cigar for distribution. And so I don't really know how much is really changing. I don't know what percentage or how that was divvied up in the past. Um, so I think this was really not a technicality. I'm sure there's some meaning behind it, but it, I don't believe it's going to change the cigars any or much at all. Mm -hmm. um, because in the past, I know she has definitely had a strong hand in the blending process, and they have been you know, blended to what she was looking for anyway. So I, I don't think really very much is going to change with that. Hmm. That's interesting to me. I, uh, <clears throat> uh, To be honest, I think I was one of those people who put out some of those, huh, 
a split, eh? Sort of tweets and comments and conversation. So I, uh, I, I see that, you know, she'll still utilize them for distribution, and so I kind of wonder, there obviously has to be some change here, otherwise there wouldn't have been uh, a press release that went out, but um, it's just a little... Cigar Tube is saying in the uh, chat room that she's going to do her own distribution. I guess I misread that press release. Well. <laughs> okay, I, I, I will. I will actually defer to Cigar Coop because he uh, is much more in touch with this than I, <clears throat> and will assume I misspoke there. I'll go back and reread that Joker myself. Well, onto something that you most certainly are, uh, at least this show's expert on, uh, the Angel Share will be shipping from Fuente. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is not a... I mean, it is a new cigar, but it's not a new cigar. They put out a couple sizes of this last year. They handed out a couple more at uh, CFC. Um, but, you know, the, this is... I like it because I'm not, despite the fact that I'm a huge, huge um, Fuente fan, I'm not the biggest Opus fan. And these are kind of like, I call them a, 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 like a kinder, gentler kind of Opus. Yeah. Um, the ones that were handed out at CFC anyway were fantastic. I think I still have one left. And they were, you know, had that Opus kind of quality, but they were definitely maybe just a smidge sweeter. Didn't carry the same potency. Um, uh, although I got to say the the Lancero and the Opus is a phenomenal cigar and does not kick me in the pants the way some of them do. Um, and we had the Lancero Angel Share last year at CFC, and they are just a notch more expensive than the Opus. But if you're a regular Opus buyer, it's not going to bother you to buy some of these and try them. I absolutely think it'd be worthwhile. Are the days of grossly overpriced Opus have those come and gone, or are shops still charging twenty bucks for singles? I, I don't know because in Tampa you can get them just dead on MSRP. Hmm. So I, I don't know what the rest of the country is looking at as far as taxes or any other kind of markups. I know when they make it to some online site, they are typically wildly overpriced. I'm noticing a couple distinct, not to break away from the news here, but I'm noticing a couple distinct items with this cigar that are worth mentioning. Um, and I don't know if it's just the way I cut it or what, but I am getting just mass quantities of tobacco in my mouth and coming off of the cut head on this cigar. Oh, yeah, I've got none of that. Mine's just been perfect. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how I can show the camera, but I mean, maybe a maybe a half teaspoon worth. Holy crap! You've been yeah. chewing on it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look at the the head of the cigar. It's it's damp, but nothing crazy. Yeah. I, I uh, it just seems like it's. I'm not really pulling it from the head. It just seems like you know, if I flick the head like this, I'm getting little bits that are falling out of it. You know, and of hmm. course now it's slightly tunneled in there, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just thought that that was a little unique. As I said, maybe the way I cut it, but didn't know if that was an indicator that this is perhaps a sandwich or or 
something else. Well, just one final note <clears throat> on your question with the Opus. They are, I'm sure, marked up considerably around the country. I still hear stories of, you know, shops that have crazy limits on them, one a day or two a day, and got to smoke it in the shop even. I heard that a couple times, and uh, which is just insane. I don't understand that at all or even where the motivation would be. But um, you can order a number of different Opus any day of the year from Tampa Sweetheart. I mean, they, that's the other branch of the Fuente family, and they are constantly well-stocked with Opus. Frequently having Yehos, at least in some kind of sampler, and all kinds of rare stuff comes through there, and anybody can buy it at, at MSRP. Interesting. I, uh, not being an Opus guy, that wasn't, that's not immediately uh, beneficial to me, but it's sure unknown to me, I'll tell you that much. Yep, they're there. This uh, Carlos Sr.'s brother and family are who's kind of running Tampa Sweethearts. And I don't know how closely they're tied or if it's also a you know shared business relationship, but I do know they get a lot of special Fuente cigars, and they sell them all at flat even MSRP. Hmm. So they're there, and they're obtainable from anywhere. All you got to do is go to their website and order them. So if you've got a local shop that's just going nuts with markup, because, you know, the, the, there's one thing with taxes, but it's another altogether when there's a rare cigar that somebody's just trying to, you know, gouge somebody with it. Mm-hmm. Well, this next item here is kind of a, uh, I don't know, something that I really like. I think that uh, consumers would appreciate if more um, manufacturers did something along these uh, lines, but the most re recent Royal Report from Crowned Heads uh, says that they're going to begin um, hosting a monthly, what they call Four Kicks Friday open house at uh, their headquarters. And I think that that is a spectacular idea. It is. Their, their headquarters are there in Nashville, and uh, Nashville, Tennessee, of course, and they're going to have an open house once a month, one Friday each month, and they'll just, like they, they say in the uh, newsletter, that we'll be opening our doors to all crowned head loyals who'd like to come by and enjoy a cigar with us. And, of course, cigars will be provided courtesy of crowned heads. So I thought that was pretty cool, actually, myself, too. I can dig it. I like four kicks. I like the others, but I really like four kicks. I have a chat room that's full of ideas of what my spice could be. Turmeric, <laughs> cumin, chili powder, cilantro, cardamom. And by the way, I have to say that, uh, uh, Jay Ledoux, you're a horrendous speller, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, seeing all these flavors in here, I'm going, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> but either way, I'll get to it. I'm sure it'll come out. Uh -huh. uh, one other little note that came out of that um, uh, Royal Report. That's what they called their newsletter. You know, They initially called it monthly, but it's usually several months in between. But they did mention they were going to be more committed to doing that regularly next year. 
Um, it says if, if all goes to plan, 2014 will see a fourth Crowned Heads core brand in addition to Four Kicks, Headley Grange, and JD Reserve, or JD Howard Reserve. And <clears throat> so we'll have a new core line, a new limited edition that will be an annual release beginning with LE 2014, a possible TAA exclusive cigars, and a couple of other surprises. So it looks like next year is going to be, you know, a, a pretty busy year for crowned heads. Yeah, real big year for crowned heads. No doubt. Good for them. Yeah. What well, they, they, fo they follow the line of uh, the four kicks. I'll be a happy camper with them. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't complain about any of their cigars. I wouldn't turn them down. But if I'm going shopping to buy them, I get the four kicks. Mm, I, I don't blame you. Mm -mm. Well, as we uh, move on up with the... Uh, <laughs> that was unintended. Uh, if we move on along with the notes here, we're busting right into the other interest segment where we talk a bit about the cigars we had in the past week or so. Yeah. Talk to us. Well, I... Uh, as you talked about last week, I... I'm lucky enough to have uh, welcomed a new addition to the family. Um, Liam Reed Schneider being born uh, deserved a bit of a celebratory smoke or three. <laughs> and uh, two that I wanted to talk about uh, are in the notes tonight. And, um, one specifically is, is a really uh, special cigar for me. It's um, it is one of the best cigars that I've ever smoked. It's from um, a humidor release in 1995 that uh, was put out to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the Partagas uh, brand. So the Partagas 150 um, was the first celebration cigar that I had in the Coronas Grandes um, Vitola. It's 6 and an eighth by 42, basically a Lonsdale. And um, I have to say that it was um, just heavenly. Um, Time out. There I'm sorry? So, j just to be clear, you are not talking about the uh, U.S. available Partis Partagas 150 that came out several years ago. Uh, actually, that also came out in 1995. It was just re-released in 2005, I think. Okay, um, but you're correct. I am uh, I am not talking about that version. I'm talking about the the original uh, Partius 150s um, that were released in Havana to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the brand. Um, it it came out in three sizes: um, a robusto, a Coronas Grande, and um, gosh, what the heck was the third size? I think a Double Corona, but don't quote me on that one. Um, and I've now had the Robusto and then this Coronas Grandis and uh, Robusto and Lonsdale. Um, and my experience was that the Robusto was a better cigar uh, to me. I had the best experience of my life with that cigar. But this Lonsdale was um, it, it nearly equaled it in every way. Perfect construction, perfect it just absolutely perfect balance. Um, strong cigar, uh, strong as nails, even at 18 years old, for Pete's sake. But um, 
It was not harsh. I <laughs> I smoked it down to about an inch or so, uh, inch and a half, and then relit it today uh, and smoked the rest of that before the show. Um, and that had been six days or so since I had had it initially, and I, I just didn't. I saw the little half nub in the ashtray and didn't want to let it go. So um, just a, a really unmistakable, and I know that this is kind of cliche, conversation about this cigar often talks about this flavor, but um, just an unmistakable black pepper flavor. Um, there was a meatiness to it, and it, it almost was like, uh, I, I don't know, it was almost like a, a what is it, a steak au pois? the pepper-crusted steak, um, that typical pepper-crusted steak flavor that you can get, just tons of that peppercorn um, sharpness, but without being too much, um, and then a little bit of meaty and earthy flavors, and one of the most enjoyable sweetnesses that I've ever had. It was pure, uh, uninhibited maple syrup. It was amazing. I, I absolutely loved the heck out of that, and um, uh, wish that wish that these were around still, <laughs> so I could have more of them. They were. Uh, this was pretty spectacular, and cool. certainly worthy of uh, celebrating the event. Sounds like it. Sounds very special. I like it. Well, the uh, the second cigar that I also had as a bit of a celebration is um, not nearly as rare nor as old, but certainly as um, well thought of, I think. Uh, and that is the, the BHK 56, the Bahike 56. Um, this was a, uh, a pre-release version of that cigar. Um, pre-release? How did you come across that? Uh, the... One of the uh, contacts I spoke of earlier who's in the, um, uh, let's say, the cigar publications industry was privy to some of these, and so I ended up uh, being able to receive a, a bundle of them, a bundle of 25 of them. Cool. So, yeah, so I had one of those. Now, she's, uh, I think, three years old. Um, had a, It had really kind of balanced out um, these, I don't know if they were not the final blend um, or if perhaps they uh, they were just a little inconsistent before they tweaked them for the actual release, but this was a cigar that had a little too much um, citrusy sweetness on the front end. It was dominant, these cigars, one fresh, and at this point that citrus flavor had had really transferred over and kind of mellowed out to the point where you could pick up a lot of other things. There was like a, uh, as is, again, often discussed with these cigars, kind of a, a dirt, mushroom, dank, earthy flavor, no doubt, that was balanced really, really well by um, a, a pleasant brown sugar molasses. Um, so certainly a darker sweetness, but a, a really nice, um, enjoyable uh, yin to the yang of that dark, earthy uh, flavor that was there, and the, the citrus flavor, too. So, good cigar. Um, a cigar that tends to kick my butt. It's a behemoth. 56 by, uh, I think, 7 inches. So, it's a massive cigar. Maybe 6 and 7 eighths, but uh, it, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, that, that actually sounds 
wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what I got this week. I got I already mentioned one. The uh, I'm holding the band up here. T.L. Johnson Legend Reserve 63. Um, this was actually a show sample that I still had, and I smoked through that. And of course, I know show samples can t- sometimes be a little different by the time they make the shelf. I don't know. I have not yet had the shelf version. Um, but this this was a, another great smoke from T.L. Johnson, for ultimately from Luis Sanchez at La Tradición Cubana. And um, as always, the construction coming out of uh, Luis's place down there is just dead on, just fantastic construction. Uh, just that perfect draw, not too tight, not too loose, just just kind of a Goldilocks construction for me. And it had a you know some pleasant <laughs> spice. What's it was? Uh, the the flavor the chat room is just filled with uh, people throwing out flavors that they think that I may be getting out of this cigar and the latest one to come up with Scrapple (laughs) golly (laughs) Uh, well there was no Scrapple in the T.L. Johnson had some just pleasant spice some soft woodsy flavors kind of toasty throughout um, I think I still would prefer the Tempio from T.L. Johnson over this one, but I would not turn my nose up to either of them for sure. Um, fantastic smoke, actually. And the other I thought worth mentioning was another great smoke, as is the case that normally makes the list for me from week to week. And this one is a, a, a limited run uh, from a House of Emilio, from Emilio Cigars. It was the Cayo Caro. And Gary Griffith over there at Emilio is having uh, Noel Roja uh, down at um, uh, Guaycon make these for him. And, you know, the the uh, Drake every year is going to be a little different. Last year was the Drake K. This year is the Cayucaro. And so it's a little different blend every year. Uh, this one is no different. No different in that it's different. Um, I I think it's a fantastic smoke. I, it was much spicier than what I typically get from any of Guayacan's other cigars. Um, and although I know this was made for somebody else, of course, um, it, it was quite spicy, but still approachable. It didn't didn't hurt me. It didn't feel like nasal napalm coming through on a retro hail or anything. Uh, lots of nutty and woodsy flavors. I do have to admit, by the end of the cigar, the strength had snuck up on me and had had not whipped me, but had that cigar been another inch longer, it probably would have. Uh, But overall, it was very nice. Loved it. Hmm. I have another one of these, and I'll be writing a review of of it uh, in the next week or so. Hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I I apologize. I was... I was not paying attention to that the chat room for all of those <laughs> unique flavors that continue to pop up. Sorry guys, I was actually paying attention to Kip. <laughs> well, imagine that. <laughs> uh, well, I I uh, I'm interested in that drag. I uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a secret that either of us uh, tend to be fans of the House of Emilio product. Oh, not um, at all, man. I th- I've said this many times, and I said it before I even actually met Gary Griffith in person. And you know, now I've met him a number of times, had a chance to spend time with him, 
and know firsthand that he's just a great guy and, and you know his his heart and his mind is in the right place in the cigar industry and I said long before I even met him that you know once he started putting out his own cigars he had a knack for just making or having made cigars that that were seemed to be just built for me I, I loved them and the same carries forth with the, the lines, the companies he's picked up for distribution, you know, with Ezra Zion and Guayacan and Rodrigo and, and Nomad and um, 1502. All those guys are making just outstanding cigars across the board, and I don't know that I've had any that I did not like. I mean, there's some I would prefer over others, certainly, but uh, overall, just an amazing uh, percentage of their cigars just really strike home for me. I would I would say that an extremely large percentage of the House of Emilio cigars are um, really enjoyable to me. Although I don't think I would throw the Rodrigos in at the in the the upper echelon of those to me to my flavors, but I I just don't think I would reach for them. But I certainly don't think that they're bad cigars. They're just not me. The I think I've had three. Two or three. So I might have size is not huge, but I might have said the same thing before this summer, and I had the chance to try. And I, you'll have to forgive me if I'm wrong, George. I think they just called them small batch. They had black bands on them, and I thought those were great, great cigars. Hmm. Black bands with like little silver stripes across the top and bottom. Hmm. <clears throat> well. You uh you want to move on a little bit here to uh, some listener email? Sure, and these are now like three weeks old because we didn't have time for them one week, and then last week I didn't cover them because I was sitting in with Dale. Um, so these are we're a little behind there, but we got a couple to cover tonight. Um, Enzo, our buddy Enzo had uh, an email he dropped us as an experiment he had done. And he said, okay, some thoughts. I heard your podcast and your comments on the Four Kicks for next week. I totally agree with you that the Four Kicks is one of my favorite cigars. If I were left on an island with thousands of Four Kicks, I'd be very happy and would not pile stones or build fires together for rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I've tried the Headley Grange. They seem to want you to switch to Headley Grange, but the Headley Grange is not as good to, to him as the Four Kicks. He says, that's the God's honest truth. Who can bear it? (laughs) He said, I I heard Craig diss my review of Padron. He said it had an ass ton of sweetness or something like that. (laughs) In the spirit of internet disagreement, I say that he should go straight to hell for Satan. (laughs) Reading the quote of ass ton of sweetness back to myself, perhaps that's not the best descriptor for a large amount of sweetness in a cigar, but uh, <laughs> either way, I like this guy. He uh, he made me chuckle when I read the email, and he's making me chuckle again now. So yeah, and I mentioned it last week, and I need to send him an email to to get his permission. But I'll post up his review of the Opus that uh, I will tell you again that I mentioned at the very end of the show last week that um, it, it's a kind of a lengthy review, and uh, he says he paired. The Opus with nine to eleven Heinekens, so I'm sure you'll be entertained by his review. 
I think we uh I think we had mentioned that before on the show and quite a few people were interested in the nine to eleven Heineken segment of that descriptor, but uh either way we'll be we'll be you'll be contacting Enzo regarding that, so Yeah. Very uh, cool. Okay. Next one's a little more serious. This is for Michael Stewart, who uh just about disowned us in the uh, chat room tonight with all our struggles to get the show going. Um, he says, Greetings, man. Two weeks ago, which is now like four or five weeks ago, I was only able to hear the last 30 or 40 minutes of the show live and missed your earlier talk about leaf strength. Today, I was listening to that show, episode 42, and heard Craig say a number of times that Viso leaf was milder than Seiko. This is opposite what I've always seen. Check this page, and he has a page, a link from Cigar Aficionado. They do, however, also say that Viso is sometimes referred to as Volado, <clears throat> which I've always read was the mildest leaf. So there seems to be some confusion, no? Any authoritative clarification from our well, resident expert? Uh, authoritative, no, because I think that what he's seeing right now is the fact that uh, it is referred to differently depending on what country of origin or what background or what training you have. So... I certainly can't uh, definitively say that one of those is right and one of those is wrong, but my understanding is that a more Cuban background has um, Velado as your first primings. You know, and these are generic classifications of priming, but Velado as your first priming, uh, Seiko as your second priming, and Lajero as your third and final priming. Um, so that is where my information comes from, which does add up with the summary in that article that he's mentioning, um, which, as he alluded to, states that Volato um, is sometimes referred to as Viso. So um, I would say that I certainly admit that there's a likelihood that I'm not with the the norm on this one, but that is what I have been told by people who work tobacco for a living. So, the um, that's all I got for you, Mike. Local one of the local rollers here that has a, a Cuban immigrant who's only been in the country a couple of years and worked tobacco back in Cuba. He has a Cuban immigrant, like he just keeps one for fun, or I didn't say he has, did I? I said he is. Oh, I thought you said he has a Cuban immigrant, like as a possession. <laughs> no, he is. Um, that might be illegal. No, he uh, he would agree with everything you just said. He uses the word velado uh, largely or much. Well, neener neener. Doobie doop boop. Well, <laughs> that's all I got. I. I um, I wish I had more definitive info for you, Mike, but I think that typically um, old world tobacco refers to it as Volato, new world tobacco or new school uh, probably refers to it as, as Viso. Um, and primings and flavor, excuse me, strength and flavor uh, is probably dependent on who's viewing what, but I don't think that anyone would... Um, dispute the fact that your initial primings, your lowest leaves, um, perhaps have what could be referred to as the lowest amount of strength and the least uh, flavor to them. I think that that would be agreed upon, and then going up the plant, uh, 
you would find that that escalates. Um, I think that that in and of itself is the point being made here, and then the the terms or the the jargon that's used perhaps can be debated at another day. So. Oh, Sound somebody, like a plan, Stan? <clears throat> yep. Uh, somebody said I did say has in the chat room. I, I'm going to appeal to my hillbilly accent. My <laughs> is sounds like a has sometimes. Fair enough. Well, I want to run through a little bit more about this cigar we're smoking tonight before we wrap up. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not the best at... Uh, at, at pinpointing my flavors, but what I've tried to do here is put together what I think is kind of an amalgamation of the one the flavor that I'm getting. It kind of has, um, uh, it, it kind of has uh, all of these characteristics to it. So maybe the cigar itself is complex, and all of these are different flavors, or maybe I'm just doing a terrible job of descriptions. But I'm getting things like clove. A really high cacao, dark chocolate, um, wild cherry, which is a little bit tartar, a little bit sharper, um, and then kind of a the wild card flavor here that I think the chat room's gonna love. But um, the Christmas cookie that is called the rum ball, uh, there's just there's a little bit of that kind of alcoholy sweetness that's going on here and it, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of all rounding it out, rounding out that sweetness to it, but that's that's probably a, as good a summary as I'm going to be able to make tonight with this one sample. Yeah, I'm with you, with especially with the cloves and the wild cherry. <clears throat> you had sharp cherry. I asked if you maybe thought wild. I didn't know if you'd ever eaten wild cherry because they are much more tart. They're not like maraschinos out of a jar. Um, it, it does have that that kind of background or mainframe or framework of sweetness, but it definitely has the just a little bit of punch to it, a little bit of sharpness to it, and a little tartness maybe. And I like that actually. I like it quite a bit. I'm not familiar with rum balls. Uh, I'll take a <laughs> word on you that one. Not much. <laughs> as much as I love rum and cookies, when you put them together, it's not the greatest thing. Hmm. Well, do you have any guesses? Well, I don't. Um, I'll uh, I'll set you up with a softball here and say that I don't think this is a cigar I've ever smoked. And you and I spoke earlier tonight a little bit about this, and the cigar that you mentioned I have never smoked. Um, I think adding that to the appearance of this, the wrapper, um, the the vitola. The uh, box press, um, I, I think it adds up to be right in line with what you were thinking, um, especially because this is so unique that I'm sure I would remember it. I'm sure I'd be able to say, oh, that seems familiar, and it's not. Uh, it's not at all. So I would kind of defer to uh, to you here. Well, I was talking to Craig before we started recording that I – actually had a very specific guess about this cigar before we even lit it because I smoked one that I thought was the same cigar within the past week. And <clears throat> Excuse me, I kind of have the hiccups. After smoking it, I still think that's the truth. Uh, I, it's very similar to what I've experienced with that cigar. 
the size and the shape and the crisp box press all uh, leaned to that as well as that it had a really dark oily wrapper. And my guess was that it was the Renato Grand Empire Reserve, and I have the excuse me the envelope here directly from Jacob Pinkus. If I can stop hiccuping long enough. That was my horrible drum roll. Pardon me. And it is indeed the Renato Grand Empire Reserve. Well done, my friend. Well five, done. Five by fifty-five box press MSRP ten bucks. Nicaraguan Puro, just with a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper, and binder and filler, just simply Nicaragua. Awesome. Well, well done, Mr. Fisher. I uh, I think that this is our first um, 100% exact correct guess since the uh, the dog watch incident when we were bamboozled into believing that Bob knew what the heck he was talking about. And Dale came clean about that last week. Oh, that son of a gun. He did, and and Dale said he didn't think they were actually going to keep that up throughout the whole show, that they were going to let the cat out of the bag. It was just funny that we had to go to bed that night thinking they were just amazing. <laughs> he did also say, I did though, too. Uh, he, he, had, he did say that he thought um, Bob might have been able to identify even if he had not known because he had smoked a good number of cigars. Hmm. I'd never even heard of it. I don't even remember now what it was called. Something Dominicana, I think. Pueblo I, Dominicana. Uh, I, I, uh, well, there you go. Well remembered. <clears throat> I don't think I had ever had that. and No, I, I think I had had that before, but I know I certainly would not have gotten it. Um, but this one, knowing that I had not smoked the cigar, I would have 100% agreed... Um, I'm sure I would have 100% been on the same page as you had I smoked that Grand Empire Reserve before because this is this is probably the most unique flavors that I'm getting out of an entire cigar um, at least this year. I can't think of anything else that reminds me of this. This is unique and stands on its own. The uh, gentleman behind this brand is Antonio Lamb. I believe he lives up in New Jersey right now. Um, but... I've been a fan of his cigars since the first one I tried at Charm Leaf a year ago or so, and I, I normally have a few of them around. I like it. Well, I uh, think it'd be time for us to close down shop here. What do you say? Yeah, and uh, a big thanks to Jacob Pincus once again for sending these in. We deeply appreciate it. Uh, Jacob yeah, no has, doubt. has sent in four unbanded total out of, uh, well, we have one more of his to go, I think. We do. Number 13. Certainly appreciate that, Jacob. Yeah, I echo that as well. Thank you, sir. And uh, to anyone else who is kind enough to send along a suggestion or if you're uh, angelic enough to send along a submission, um, I want to say thank you ahead of time for doing so. And anyone who already has, I'd like to thank you again. Um any communication about that for any upcoming unbandage that you'd like to suggest or submit, please uh, send an email to Kip's wife at info at the cigar me.com. Um, 
she gets that uh, gets that email, can communicate with you on how to send the cigars or where to send them, or excuse me, or um, what ideas you have um, if you'd like her to pick them up, um, and she'll handle that completely without Kip or I ever having uh, the slightest idea what's going on. Yeah, <clears throat> and I don't think you mentioned if you have a uh, submission. You can uh, send an email to me or Craig at kip at com or craig at com, and uh, we'll uh, provide an address for you to get those to. And as always, you can find us on cigarfederation.com every Friday night, uh, halfash.com. We had a little bit of a snafu with uh, some changes to Google Plus recently, and, and I think we have a workaround at least temporarily until we can get something new to work. We had a little trouble with the video feed over there. Um, but that should be back online uh, regularly. Um, and let's see what else we got. You can find me at thecigarmy.com. I put some reviews up there on occasion, although I'm drastically behind because of my recent work schedule. Uh, at the moment, I'm actually off the rest of this year, so hopefully I can get a few reviews done in the meantime. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, both of those websites, halfash.com and thecigarmy.com. Both of those, you can you can find contact information there and uh, where to find us. Yeah, please do reach out. I mean, we we share listener emails and talk about those here on the show because uh, um, we enjoy the communication very much. We love hearing feedback, both positive and negative. Um, and uh, you know, we, we 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 like hanging with our homies, emailing with our buddies, people who uh, enjoy listening to the show and. Um, even have suggestions. We'd love to hear what you think uh, and how we can make it better for everybody uh, to enjoy. So, as Kip had said, uh, reach out, find us, um, uh, drop us a line, like us on, like the videos on YouTube if you find our channel there. And um, well, we certainly look forward to seeing everybody next week when we uh, record our other episode. Anything else you want to add, my man? Yeah, um, next week I will be traveling and trying to do the show on the road through ah, that's right. un- uncertain Wi-Fi. So if it all falls apart, I will post a note up and whatever our plans may be uh, at the time to get the show recorded. You know, one final comment here about this uh, Grand Empire Reserve. I took the wrapper off, as I so often do, um, and I am smoking that wrapper alone, and I can tell you, that unique flavor comes largely from this wrapper. Hmm. Wow, and that's a 55-ring cigar, too. It is one leaf. It is incredibly thick, incredibly thick, um, and filled with flavor. There's a there's a good bit of that uh, unique uh, taste that's coming from this one leaf. So if you get it, smoke it down to about two inches, take the wrapper off when the cigar is telling you it's done, and then give a go on smoking the wrapper itself. You'll enjoy it. I dig it. Cool. So we ready to wrap this joker up? Got any dedication this week? Absolutely do, but uh, before I get to that, just want to let everybody know, yeah, we uh, we are a little short this week. We're running probably under 90 minutes for this episode, but uh, for good reason, wanting to Try to avoid any potential technical issues that we might encounter should we have a full-length show. So 
I'm sure we will be back to uh, our regular shenanigans next week, as long as that internet connection works out as Kip is hoping for. And uh, we'll be here to please and uh, have a good time. So, And as always, um, I, uh, I do have a bit of a dedication this week. This is a special one for me. Um, tonight, it's going to be a little bit of a, a double team. Not only does it go out to my lovely wife, who had to endure... Uh, surgery, 40 weeks of preg- 40 plus weeks of pregnancy, um, and a lot of other unspeakables that uh, don't need to be mentioned. Um, I certainly want to share part of this week's dedication to her, my my better half, Ellie. Uh, thank you for everything that you do and have done. But I most certainly want to say that um, this show this week with a heavy heart. I uh, announced that there's been a loved one who's passed in my life, um, and to Len, I uh, I just want you to say I just want to say that you made a difference in my life, and I know that I am not the only one who can say that. So, uh, from the bottom of my heart to everybody who's out there, give your kids, give your parents, give your best friends uh, a big hug and a and a big kiss, and make sure they know how much you care about them and how much they do for you and how much they've improved your life. Because you never know when you're not going to have the opportunity any longer. So, not to end on a somber note, but um, rather to end on a on a happy one. Be thankful for everything that we have in our lives, and uh, be sure to take note of it. So, folks, from all of us here at Half Ash to all of you wherever the heck you are, we hope you're doing well. We hope you have yourself a great evening and a great week. Merry Christmas coming up, and uh, be well. We will talk to you later. Good night, everybody, and. Thanks for listening.